unless we provide them some assistance, their ability to simply keep their heads above water, just to keep their families fed, to, to keep a bit of hope alive, will be extinguished. And we can't let that happen. And welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Laura Conaway. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Today is Thursday, November 20th. It's about 5 p.m. on the East Coast. We're going to be talking about the situation on Capitol Hill and in Detroit with the auto industry. That was Senator Jack Reed you just heard. He was talking about a new extension for unemployment benefits that Congress just passed. It sounds like it's going to be needed. Jobless claims hit a 16-year high this week. That is my Planet Money indicator. David, what you got? Uh, I have a I have an indicator. It's the one that we say we never want to talk about. Okay, which is the stock market eh. because it's sort of hard not to talk about it. The S and P five hundred index it dropped almost seven percent today, and this year the S and P index has slid almost fifty percent. It's just an astounding number. Adam Davidson today he went on this mission to find someone who could say something to us about the stock market besides like. Wow, or man, oh man. And in the end, we had to just sit him down and ask Adam what he thinks. Yes, okay. The Dow Jones is huge. And uh, to, this fall is huge. And, and what it is certainly telling us is that collectively, the collective wisdom of people with money who have it to invest are their sense of what companies will make in the future is dropping and dropping and dropping. And today, Citigroup, I'm looking at it now, we're talking just before the close of the Dow Jones. So it's like quarter of four. Citigroup is at $4. My God. I mean, it was 473, I should say. I mean, it, it was, let's see, it was, you know, around close to 25 just a few weeks ago. It was up close to 60 a few months ago. So Citibank has has been falling like crazy. Uh, JP Morgan is falling like crazy. They're, I'm just looking them up too. They fell 18% today, 18% in one day. Um, so are you trying to talk more, about that? More, almost 19%. So what I talked about this on the podcast yesterday. What this is telling me is that until yesterday, I really had in my head that the worst of the financial crisis was over. And this problem with the banks dealing the with banks, each other. Yeah, that we yeah. were heading into an economic crisis, the recession, yeah. the real economy where you and I work and live and spend and where our friends are. We're heading into a severe economic crisis. But the financial crisis, the plumbing of the financial system, that problem – it's not that it was all fixed, but it was on the mend. And what I'm seeing today and yesterday is the collective wisdom of the market saying, no, you're wrong. It is ugly, and it's going to be uglier in the future. When you see major financial institutions trading, their collective value, according to the market, is less than the cash they have on hand. That's bad. That's bad because what that tells you is collectively, either collectively the investors are just gone nuts and they're totally irrational and we should ignore them, or which is always a very real possibility, or they are saying we don't know how ugly this is. I mean, they, they might have much worse assets. They might have to admit to 
much bigger losses than we've seen. So when I when I look at this news from my perspective about the stock market being so bad, the first thing that jumps out at me is you know, people don't like that prices are falling so much and they're worried about deflation, in which case everything is sort of worth less and it's a lot harder to fix for government officials to fix. And that's the first thing that comes to me about the stock market. What you're saying is actually that that the news you take out of it is that the financial institutions are seriously in trouble and that is what might keep you up at night. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, lots and lots and lots of stocks are falling. But today's fall and yesterday's fall is is very much led by these financial stocks. These are huge, huge companies. Um, they make up a large proportion of the Dow Jones average and of the overall capital, you know, stock market. So, you know, so, so no, no, I do want to give you a little bit of optimism. Lay it on me, man. So the optimism and it's kind of miserable optimism, to be honest with you, is that maybe the financial system's okay. It's just that we're in this weird lull. Like a limbo timeout. This limbo timeout. Um, and maybe in late January, we'll see a team that gives the market confidence and things will come back. And maybe it'll just be really lousy for a long time. Thank so, you, Adam. Thank you, Laura, <laughs> <laughs> for giving me this chance to vent. Thank you. Well, that was uplifting. Yeah. Can we just move on to the auto industry thing? Sure, much cheerier topic, yeah. Uh, we had this weird spectacle today of two consecutive and somewhat confusing and contradictory press conferences. Yeah, I couldn't even tell which one we were watching sometimes. So, the, yeah, the first one was by uh, Democratic leadership Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid saying basically we can't do anything now. We don't have the votes. We'll talk about a bailout when we get back uh, in a special session December 8th. And then there was a second press conference by a group of Republican and Democratic senators saying, Eureka, we found a compromise. Here's Carl Levin, he, the Democrat from Michigan. We have reached an agreement on a bipartisan approach to provide bridge loans of up to $25 billion to the auto industry. You know, I have to say, this day watching these press conferences go back and forth made me feel like I was watching the debate over the $700 billion bailout all over again, where Congress was saying, if you don't pass this, we're toast. And the other part of Congress would say, we're never going to pass this. And then they would pass part of it. And the other side would say, we're not going to pass it. And I actually went on our Twitter feed. We're twitter.com slash planet money. And I said, this has given me deja vu. And you should have seen the responses come back in. One person wrote in to say, yeah, all you have to do is, you know, substitute the players. And you're looking at the exact same kind of argument all over again. Right. And I think actually uh, when some of the early announcements about some sort of compromise came out, Ford went up and, I don't know, probably went back down at the end. But um, the the idea they're putting forward here is that they want to use the money that's already been appropriated. Remember there's $25 billion that was put out there to help retool to make more energy efficient cars? Yes. So the idea is they would use that for, uh, for the bailout. Now, Democrats did not like that idea originally, but now people like Carl Levin uh, are on board. I talked to Dave Cole. He's chairman of the Center for Automotive Research to ask, like, what what was going on here? And he said, look, I think the idea is that if these car companies don't survive, there's no point in having that money to help them retool. They just won't exist. It's like giving a transition, uh, tra- uh, transfusion to a patient who has just died. Uh, you, you better use it before the death because then it has some good and then you can build on that into the future. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about here. 
So why are some of the Democrats coming around and saying, we'll back it? We'll back it. He was saying up. part of it is just that there was this, you know, public lynching this week on Capitol Hill of the uh, CEOs of the U.S. auto manufacturers that they put on such a poor performance. Did you watch any of that or read any of the coverage? Yeah, definitely. And then there's this thing about how they all showed up in private jets. That made people very happy. Right. They got really hammered for that. Uh, and, you know, I asked I asked David Cole about that, and, and he said, you know, that, that looks bad, but he, he tried to make the argument that the CEOs actually might not have had a lot of choice there. It's a, it's a requirement uh, that has been established by the board related to security. I mean, it's not an option for them to take a normal plane No, No, it is not. It goes back to some of the issues that they've seen around the world with uh, kidnappings and... Uh, yeah, but, but in flying from... Kidnappings and flying from Detroit to Washington, oh, yeah, D.C.? Because the industry is so global today. He did agree it looked bad. You know, sometimes all this economic crisis news and the financial crisis news, I find it really almost impossible to come down on any kind of side one way or the other to come to an objective conclusion about it. So... I think my response here is I'm just going to leave the open thread up, npr.org slash money. There's some very good discussion going on about it. We'll keep doing the podcast. Stay with us. Stay with us. All right. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Laura Conaway. Are we here?